After saying this, Jesus continued, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, It's going to rain, and so it does. You know how to work out what the earth and the sky are telling you. Why can't you work out what's going on at this very moment? Why don't you judge for yourselves what you ought to do? When you go with your accuser before a magistrate, do your best to reach a settlement with him. Otherwise, he may drag you in front of the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the officer, and the officer will throw you into jail. Let me tell you, you won't get out from there until you pay the last penny. The calling of the Jews was to be light in a dark world, which often meant trials. Suffering and opposition was their lot. But the world, and eventually many of the Jews, would have rather cast someone pointing out the darkness into a dark and muddy cistern than to accept that their lives needed amendment, as in our first reading. Jesus was pointing out the widespread Jewish instinct to adopt corrupt and violent actions to address the problems inflicted by the Romans. Look what is going to happen, Jesus is saying. The Romans are going to hand you over to the judge who will extract the last penny of your existence from you, which the Romans did in 70 AD, destroying the temple and killing or imprisoning the residents of Jerusalem. How could you be so blind, he's saying. You can read the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? And that I'm the one promised by God to overcome all the wrongs. The darkness of the world is not cast out by joining it or by drawing upon its techniques to get your way. I have come, Jesus said, to cast fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it's accomplished. There's a manner of living that bears witness to what is true by remaining faithful to God as evil and misunderstandings are hurled upon you and burned up in the fire of God's love. That's Jesus' baptism on the cross, being faithful to God, burning up evil with love. Every year, at least I think it was every year, after wheat harvest, we would burn the wheat stubble in most of the fields, so dad had, I think it was like a five or six foot long torch that was connected by hose to a tank, I think of, well, some sort of gas. And he would sit in the back of the pickup truck while one of us, can you believe, letting your little kid drive with that? One of us would drive the truck with him in the back with a torch. We would back burn from the roads and to create a buffer between the road so that when he left the field on fire, it didn't jump over the road and get somebody else's pasture and burn it. So we'd back burn about 10 or 20 yards. But sometimes the fields were so large that we had to drive through the field to cut it in half. And so can you imagine driving, your kid, driving through the field with you with a torch in the back, lighting the wheat stubble on fire, and then getting stuck occasionally? It's a tricky affair, but what it did is it allowed new growth to spring up immediately and to return nutrients to the soil. If you've ever been through the Flint Hills, you may have seen those controlled burns there and how the green grass just sprouts up almost immediately afterwards. 
the absence of that is one of the prime contributing factors to the wildfires in California. Don't touch the undergrowth. Let it go. Don't get rid of the dead wood. Just let nature be, and there'll be peace. And then when Mother Nature lights a fire with lightning, or humans do through neglect, they're out of control. They can't be contained. You see, it's as though Jesus was saying that all that which is harmful to humanity, I have come to burn away, giving you an example to imitate. The false ways of being a human being that darken the earth, I dispel in my person as your creator, who has become a human being and demonstrated what authentic humanity looks like. Friends, allow this truth to incinerate the overgrowth in your heart, which could come from the bad habits maybe of lying or deceiving others, co-workers, parents, spouse, friends, God. Maybe an inordinate amount of time on social media or with the news that becomes so corrosive. Or maybe supporting people or corporations in false ways of living. There was a dad just in the office who shared that he spoke with his family, wife, and young kids, about why they were not going to see the new Buzz Lightyear movie. Because it portrays sexuality in a way that's inconsistent with the fact of creation, with the Bible, and with the statements of Jesus. Parents, don't be afraid to say no. There's a cost to following Jesus, but don't be deceived as though there's not a categorically different cost in choosing the other way, which will cost you your last penny. Kids, when parents say no, don't be obstinate. Don't complain. Not every yes leads to a better life. Clearly, Jesus is saying that the darkness of the world and the overgrowth of the human heart are not overcome by drawing upon the darkness itself, or by claiming that all growth, all choices, are equally valid. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. I mean, Jesus brings division not for its own sake, but as a result of actually offering everyone a real choice, by offering them words and a way of life that are true, which were verified as such when Jesus was raised from the dead. There's the confirmation we need to read the signs of the times and welcome his fire into our hearts so that what afflicts us might be burned away and the new growth of fidelity to God might give others a real choice which springs from a love that's true.